this is a message that I have probably preached twice before in almost 30 years, uh, but I think it's, there's a word in here for someone today. Uh, and the title of the message today is this, Taken, Blessed, Broken, Given. Based upon a book I read by Henry Nouwen called Life in the Beloved, and um, so I was affected by that book, and uh, so I, I want to point some things out to you today that I think will really help you to stand more firmly in the love of God as we, once again this month, remember Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. There's a degree to which we readily assent uh, to our embrace of God's love, or we might say to uh, uh, the fact that we've been embraced by that love. But as we look at a couple of passages of Scripture that we're going to look at today, uh, I-, I want us to consider Jesus taking an offering of bread as a template for our gaining a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ, how God thinks about us, and how he desires to offer every one of us as bread to a hungry world. Um, and what you'll see is there's a certain order as Jesus feeds others. For instance, at the Last Supper, supper as recorded in Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body. Now, in a longer passage in Matthew 15, 29 through 39, prior to the previous verse in Matthew, Jesus is called upon to feed the the 5,000. And Matthew uses the same formula in describing the way that Jesus offers the bread. Beginning at verse 35 of Matthew 15, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. In both cases, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. Now, you know when you give thanks for your food, right? When you sit down at your meal, I hope you still do that. I hope you haven't become so, such, such a modern Christian that you no longer need to do that. But when you give thanks for our, our food, what do we say? We say that we're going to bless the food. We call it the blessing, right? And so we can just distill that down to four words. Taken, blessed, broken, and given. Taken, blessed, broken, and given. I want to persuade you this morning that you and I, like that bread at the Last Supper, like that bread that Jesus was preparing to to use to miraculously feed the the multitudes, I, I want to suggest that you and I, like that bread, have been Taken, blessed, broken, and given. Notice first that Jesus took the bread. Uh, I might say that we have been taken by God, and technically that is correct, but there, there's another word that, I, that becomes synonymous with, with, with us being taken that I think is much more, uh, much more personal and much more vividly descriptive of, of what the New Testament teaches us about what God has done for us in Christ. In essence, to say that we have been taken is to say that we have been chosen. We we all like to be chosen, don't we? And often uh, we're chosen for something at the exclusion of somebody else, right? Uh, We want to be chosen for the team, right, for the band, for the job, for the part in in the play, right? And we're chosen and someone else is rejected. Someone else, someone else being chosen means that we're rejected. 
However, our being taken, our being chosen by God doesn't take place at the exclusion of anybody else. Isn't that good? God's choice is inclusive. He's chosen you. He's chosen me. And his choice of me doesn't signal rejection of you and vice versa. Because we spend all of our lives, don't we, hoping to be chosen and facing rejection constantly at every turn. We, we submit resumes, don't we, in, in, in the hope that someone will choose us for a particular job only to find out that we, we're not chosen, but somebody else got chosen instead. We, we, if we're chosen, we have the sense that we beat somebody else out of that job. Amen? They must like us and not them, or if we don't get chosen, they must like them and not us. And so we strive as, as human beings to not be on a par with others, but we strive to be better than others because we're trying to be the one that gets the nod, that gets chosen. But my friends, we have been chosen by God, all of us. And all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus have been included in that choice. As a matter of fact, he chose us before the foundation of the world, before the world was created. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2, Peter describes his audience as God's elect who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And listen to these words from 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Listen, this morning, it's no accident that you are who you are. It's not an accident that you are where you are, and it's not an accident that you are in Christ. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and he chose us to bless us and to bless the world through us. He chose us to bear fruit for the kingdom to his glory and honor. But the adversary, the devil, if you will, the accuser, right, will all throughout the course of our lives, seek to impress upon us the sense that we have been rejected. Sometimes issues within our families of origin become the anvil upon which the, the devil seeks to hammer our souls into pieces with this feeling that others were chosen and preferred over us, that we don't cut it, that we're not worthy, that we don't have what it takes. We can be consumed then by envy and jealousy because we take the blessings and successes of others as sign of God's rejection of us because in our estimation, we haven't been blessed like they've been blessed. Here's the deal. The first step to standing firm in the love of God is to never forget that you have been chosen by God. You are precious to him. You matter to him. You're not an afterthought. You're not a bother to him. You don't have to spend your whole life trying to make God love or, or accept you. He accepts you and loves you just as you are. You are accepted in the beloved. That is, you are accepted in Jesus. We've been chosen by God. We've been taken. But that's not all. We've been taken, but we've been blessed. Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks, or we could say he blessed it. Now, when we think about being blessed, we think about it's kind of like wielding a baseball bat, swinging wildly at the heavenly piñata. Let me say that when I ask, piñata. 
<laughs> peeking from behind the blindfold, and when we hit pay dirt or pay piñata, uh, you know, candy showers down upon us from above. And I know that's a bad illustration, right? But you get the point, right? We think of blessing merely as stuff given, things received. But blessing in its essence is not just what has been given, but what has been said. That's why we need to bless others in our lives, not just by giving them stuff, but by speaking words of blessing over their lives. If you have children, don't just buy them $200 tennis shoes. Make sure you speak words of blessing, words of life over them. We get the word benediction from the Latin, which means speaking dictio and well, benny, or to say good things of someone. And we all need affirmation and encouragement. Amen? But blessing is more than just simple praise or appreciation. And so we see the Father convert, conferring the blessing, this blessing on, on the Son in Matthew 3, 16 and 17 on the occasion of Jesus' baptism by John. And it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I am so tempted to try to get a God voice right there. This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. But, but I won't do that. But do you see what happens here when Jesus baptized? The voice of God speaks from heaven and says, this is my, my, my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. The Father says it for everybody to hear and even for Jesus to hear. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. But see, some of y'all wouldn't dare appropriate that blessing, that benediction over your own life. But listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Throughout the New Testament, we as the church, we as Christians, we as the people of God are referred to as being in Christ. There is a sense in which we are included in Christ. We participate with him. We partake of his sufferings and, and share in his glory. We are blessed and it is in him that we are blessed. And since we are in Christ, God has spoken and speaks this same benediction over us. You see, we are in Christ. So when, when the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, since we are in Christ, we are included in that benediction. And so God says to each one of us this morning, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. In other words, friends, God is pleased with you and me. In in spite of our failures and shortcomings, in spite of our inadequacies, God is pleased with us and speaks his blessing, his acceptance, his benediction over our lives because we are in Christ. We are in the Son, we, and, we, and the Son is blessed, and the Son is beloved, and so we are as well. Henry Nouwen points out that most of us hear a voice that keeps saying, if you want to be loved, you had better prove that you are worth loving. You must show it. However, the life in Christ that we have as believers is a life, as now and continues, in which you gradually learn to listen to a voice that says something else, that says, you are the beloved, and on you my favor rests. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. His favor is on you. 
Oh, you know, aren't you so glad his mercies are new every morning and nothing can separate you from his love? Are you glad about that today? Because he has spoken his blessing over you, you have the promise that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy or goodness and, and hesed is the Hebrew word, that, that, that steadfast, unfailing covenant love that doesn't change, it will follow you all the days of your life and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in fact, in Psalm 62, he said, your loving kindness is better than life. N.T. Wright expresses it like this. He writes, the whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Jesus Christ. It sometimes seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents. But it's true. God looks at us and says, you are my dear, dear child. I am delighted with you. Now, in a few moments, we will partake of communion. We have, let me take a peek here. They already did it, but we have bread. And it's not like real bread bread. It's, 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 it's unleavened bread, and it's made by Shirley Lewis, custom made for us. We have our own communion hookup here. And, uh, and we make our own wine, too. No, that's just kidding. <laughs> Grape juice. It's, sometimes we keep it too long, and then it, it becomes that. We, now, all of a sudden, we become Episcopalians overnight. Boom. <laughs> but but, but, when, but what they do often is that they will, the, 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 the elders will break the bread, right? They'll break the loaf or the bigger piece into smaller pieces or the classic ideas, and that's hard to do with gloves on, by, by the way, but the classical idea is that of a loaf of bread that is no use to us until it's broken. It's this loaf. If you have, you have a loaf of bread, it's a loaf with a, with a rather foreboding crust that needs to be broken so that it could be, what, shared. And, and our breaking of the bread doesn't devalue the bread. It is, it's still bread. As a matter of fact, it's only through being broken can the bread fulfill its function, its purpose, the purpose for which we take it and bless it. And only as it's, as it's broken can it be shared. And so Jesus broke it. You and I, must be broken as well. But the truth of the matter is that most of us have been and are being broken. Broken is probably not a strange concept that's foreign to any of us. We may not have named it that. We didn't call it that. But most of us know what it's like to be broken. But here's the problem. The, the thing is that we tend to be ashamed of our brokenness. We hide and conceal our brokenness because we associate brokenness with uselessness. We all suffer. We all have our areas of weakness. We all have deficits. But in the church, we're somehow conditioned to believe that our brokenness, rather than an asset, is, a, is some sort of huge liability. And so we hide it. We act as though we have no suffering. We have no pain. We have no insecurities, no deficits. And I think that we need to grow to the place where we can, as Paul the Apostle did rejoice in our infirmities, that is, in our weaknesses. We can boast about them. We can, stand, we can stand as we are with all of our issues and say, 
to God be the glory. In other words, I may have pain in my life, but God has called me his beloved son, and he takes pleasure in me. I may fail from time to time. I might be plagued by certain deficits and weaknesses, but God calls me blessed. God didn't choose me because I was unbroken. But he chose me because of his great love for me. And he chose me so that even in my brokenness, and even if he has to break me some more, that Christ's power can rest on my life. And through Christ's broken body, I am being healed, but I can't fully realize that healing until I acknowledge that I am broken and in need of healing. And, And so as a church, we need to get real about our brokenness and quit denying it. An author by the name of Larry Crabb writes this. He says, the central task of community is to create a place that is safe enough for the walls to be torn down, safe enough for each of us to reveal our brokenness. In other words, it's all right to admit you're broken. Because you are God's beloved and and your wholeness is not found in you, it's found in him. But without being broken, you won't be able to realize the last thing. Because I said that we were taken Blessed, blessed, broken, and what's the last one? Given. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Here's the incredible thing that happens. Get this this morning. Because we have been taken, that is, that is chosen by God. Because we've been blessed, and because we've been broken, now you and me can be given as bread for a hungry. Remember the image of the loaf, right? Picture a loaf of bread in your, in your mind. Wouldn't it be silly to have a, a merely ceremonial loaf of bread? You ever see those restaurants that have the food plate? They sprayed it. It looks like they sprayed lacquer over it and they're sitting in the restaurant. You know, it's like totally, absolutely, if you're hungry, absolutely useless, right? I mean, even in the Old Testament, there was what was called showbread, and, 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 and that even every seven days was eaten by the priests. And then one point, David, when his men were hungry, they went in and ate because it's bread and it's meant to be eaten by someone. It had a limited ceremonial value within the, the, what, the economy of God, but it was meant to be eating. You, you see, the, 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 the communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper is, is about drinking the wine and eating the bread and not just looking at it. Otherwise, we just have y'all walk by. Oh. The bread is supposed to be given. It's supposed to be distributed. It's symbolic of Jesus who is the bread of life, who feeds the hungry souls of men and women. And we say, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. But the bread has to be broken. Well, guess what? We've been taken, that is chosen. We've been blessed and certainly we've been broken. But now that we've been broken, the most wonderful thing can take place. God takes our chosen blessed and broken lives. And through our brokenness, we become bread for the world. Regular people like you and me. You might argue, say, well, Charles, I thought thought Jesus is the bread of life. Well, he's the light of the world too. And guess what he said to his disciples? He said, you are the light of the world. And so we're bread as well. He's, He's the bread of life, but we are his body in the earth and we are his representatives in the world. 
And so you and me become bread for a hungry world. We become bearers of the message that God calls men and women everywhere to faith in Christ, to forgiveness and freedom, that God longs to speak that blessing over every people, everyone everywhere. And not just in spite of, but through our pain, our suffering, our inadequacy, our own personal sense of deficiency, God feeds hungry souls and nourishes hungry hearts. So yeah, we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world, but we're also bread for the hungry. So this is what I want you to do this morning. I want you to claim your chosenness, amen? But I want you to realize that you were chosen so that you could be blessed, and you were blessed so that you could be broken, and you were broken so that you might be given. Yes, God has spoken good things over you, but just as the Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism, the Spirit has descended on you as well and has infilled you with gifts, with power, with anointing to do incredible things in Jesus' name. But our brokenness reminds us that it's not all about us. It's not all about us being on the top of our game. We don't necessarily have it all going on in and of ourselves. We have to rely on the strength and the power of God. Amen? But God can do and will do and wants to do and is doing wonderful things in the world to bless people through broken folks who've been chosen, blessed, broken, and being given to the world. People like you and I. So we've been taken, we've been chosen by God, we've been blessed. God has spoken his benediction over you. He, he says good things of you. We've been broken, we can be real about our pain. We can, we can be real about our issues, our inadequacies. And we've been given. God chooses and blesses broken folks and through broken folks like you and me who have been chosen and blessed, through us he provides spiritual food and life to a hungry and broken world. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news to me this morning. That's encouraging to me this morning. It, it, it encourages me to look at my life and my situation maybe a little differently than I might have if I didn't know this. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for this, this, this picture that we've, we've gained from the way that you broke and the way that you handled the bread. We, we thank you for reminding us that we have indeed been taken, we've been chosen by you, that we've been blessed. You've spoken blessing over our lives, that, we've, that in our brokenness, that we have been, are being broken, and in the midst of that brokenness, you, you've, you've, you've positioned us to be given as bread for the world. This morning, help each one of us to be, to be uh, aware of our place in your kingdom and what you've called us to do and to become, and not to discredit or disparage ourselves because of our failures, our our weaknesses. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that you don't call the qualified, qualified, you qualify the called. And so this morning you've called us to yourself, and it is you who qualifies us. You make us, you, you, you've made us uh, recipients of the inheritance of the saints in light. We thank you for that, Lord. This morning, encourage each heart. Help us to stand firm in the love of God and to, to remember that your, your choice of us doesn't doesn't mean that you've rejected somebody else, but you've chosen us all. We are the body of Christ, the family of God. As we go to this table this morning, Lord, would you cement these things in our consciousness, in our hearts, and in our minds, in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement with that said.